Our Bibles, once again, are open to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the book of Deuteronomy. There's a pew Bible in the rack right in front of you, and you'll find the text that we'll be settling upon this morning on page 121, 121. Uh, and so join us there. We're going to look for a few minutes this morning at the first of a two-part glance at the fifth commandment, one that deals uh, specifically with the family. This will be the only one of the Ten Commandments that we take two Sundays to focus on for reasons I think that will abundantly be clear this morning. The family is very, very important. And the fifth command is one of the longer commands as stated here in Deuteronomy chapter number five. And uh, by the way, if you're new uh, uh, to Hillcrest this morning, we are in a series dealing with the Ten Commandments, kind of as a <clears throat> series within a series in a larger series that we're in on the book of Deuteronomy. But I'm going to spend two Sundays on this particular uh, command. And to listen, before you even get to it, I'm well aware that we haven't dealt with the fourth command yet. And uh, there is a reason for that because uh, over the course of the next 30 days, there's going to be a lot of in and out, a lot of vacation time. And so a part of the reason that we're not necessarily taking every one of these Ten Commandments in the order in which they're given is because of our out-of-pulpit schedule. I felt kind of compelled. Now, what I wanted to do was give all the really hard ones to all the staff while I was away. And as you could imagine, they kind of wanted me to do that the other way around. And there are two or three of these commandments that are you know, require a little bit more in-depth. They're a little bit trickier uh, to navigate. So I'm holding those back for me. And uh, some of our staff will be filling in uh, in a few of the weeks uh, that are to come. And so we're taking them in a little bit of a different order to accommodate some of the ins and outs. That makes sense? Say amen. So those of you that are ADD, OCD, go ahead and take your tablet right now. Everything's all right. We're going to cover every single one of them. And the good thing about these Ten Commandments is, aside from the first two, really, they don't necessarily have to be taken in order. So we're going to look <clears throat> at a back-to-back -back set of messages on this fifth commandment, which deals with the family. In fact, each of the first five commandments deals in some form or fashion with how we honor something, right? First couple of commandments remind us that we're to honor God alone. And then there's a commandment that reminds us to honor God. God's name, right? How many of you were here last week? Say amen. And then there's another commandment, which we'll come back to, which reminds us to honor God's day, to remember the Sabbath day, and to keep it holy. And here in Deuteronomy 5 and verse 16, the Bible teaches us that we're to honor our parents. And here's what it says, very simply. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we've gathered together today under the authority of this your word and we pray that now your Holy Spirit would speak to us from these very familiar words that sometimes are easier to hear than they are to obey. 
I pray that the word of God would penetrate deep and the spirit of God would make it plain in order that we might live as a holy people in obedience to a holy God. We pray it in the name and for the sake of our living King, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Now, let me just say from the beginning that the command to honor your father and your mother is a command that never loses its force. It's a command that we're obligated to obey. It doesn't matter how old our parents become. And it's interesting to me that the Bible, at least here anyway, does not say obey your father and your mother, although it does say that in other parts of the scripture. But here's the thing about the command to obey father and mother. That comes with a time limit. There comes a time in your life where you're no longer required biblically to obey your father and your mother, a time of independence, if we could say it that way. There comes a time when you become an autonomous person out from under the umbrella of the authority of your mother and your father. Now, the scripture says here, however, something that is timeless, something that never changes in the life of a child, whether the child is one year old or 80 years old, it doesn't matter. We're to honor our parents. And we're to honor our mother and our father for as long as they live. And let me just say this morning, I'm well aware that there are many parents who aren't necessarily worthy of being honored. Isn't that right? But the scripture doesn't make any qualification here. In fact, I'll be dealing with that subject next week. I thought it appropriate to deliver a message to all the children, no matter how old you are as a child. That's everybody in the house. That's what we're doing today. But I thought we ought to flip the coin over, which is what we do next week, and have a message for the parents. Because while the Bible commands us to honor our father and our mother, how much better for fathers and mothers to live in such a way not only to honor God in their role as a parent, but to become a parent worthy of their children's honor. Now, let me just say this morning, there's no such thing as a perfect parent, right? The only perfect parent I know is God. And what's ironic about that is his first two kids didn't turn out so well. Even God had trouble with his kids. God still has trouble with his kids. Amen. But whether your parents deserve to be honored or not has nothing to do with the command of God. God says, I want you to honor the position of parenthood. I want you to honor the office of the parent regardless of the personality, the qualifications behind it. And the reason for this is because God is a God of authority. And we've already made it very clear in this series that God is a God who delegates authority to less than perfect people. We're to respect authority, whether it be God's authority or the authority that God has delegated to others. And I'm sure that most of you would agree with me when I say that we live in a time where there's very little respect for any kind of authority anymore. Isn't that right? And it doesn't matter what the authority is, whether it's the authority of the government or the authority of your business, those over you in the place where you work or whether it's in the realm of athletics or whether it's in the realm of family, there's very little respect for authority across the board. I remember reading a few years ago in USA Today where the governor of Louisiana had signed into law a bill that would require elementary age students, grades K through five, in that state, 
in a compulsory way to address their teachers as either sir or ma'am. The Louisiana legislature passed that law and the governor uh, signed it. And I'm not sure what the stipulations were, what happened to the kid if they said, no, I ain't calling you ma'am or I will not address you as sir. But I think that it was a kind of a 911 act of legislation to kind of counter the quickly eroding respect for authority. And so what the state decided to do was attempt to enforce compulsory manners on their students. Frankly, I'm skeptical that that Louisiana law made much of a difference over the past few years. But I will say this, unless there's a respect for authority at home, there's not likely going to be a respect for authority much anywhere else. So it all begins at home. If you don't respect your parents, you probably ain't going to respect any authority. And that's why God codifies it into the 10 most significant commands that he gives in all of Scripture. Because if you don't respect the authority that God has delegated to others, you probably aren't going to respect God's authority for that matter at all. And there are significant repercussions whenever that happens because faithfulness and respecting authority plays a huge role in personal success across the board. It determines how well you do in school. It determines how well you do in your career. It determines how well you perform in the military, that's for sure, in the realm of athletics. I mean, if you strut around determined ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, you're probably going to have a hard time holding down a job, truth be told. So never doubt that it's God's will for you to respect authority. How many of you remember the football player Johnny Manziel, right? I mean, that's just a living case study. Here's a guy that had all the talent in the world, fought every authority in his life, didn't respect his parents, didn't respect his coaches, at any level, didn't respect those authority structures in his life from top to bottom. And he had all the makings, one of the rare talents that you've ever seen in collegiate athletics, drafted in the first round, I believe, by the Cleveland Browns or close to it. And yet his life pretty much crashed and burned. That happens sometimes. There's always some repercussion when you flagrantly violate the authority of God by flagrantly violating the authority that God has delegated to others. I mean, think of it this way. When you go into a courtroom and you stand before a judge and you speak to the judge, you address the judge as what? Your honor, that's right. Now, let me just say, when you do that, you're not making a value judgment about the judge's character because fact of the matter is, the judge you may be addressing could be, well, a dishonest person in fact, they may well be a corrupt judge, but that doesn't matter. You're respecting the robe that they wear, the position that they're in. You demonstrate respect for the office, for the position. Uh, there may be a time, listen, if the President of the United States walks into the room, and it doesn't matter which party he's in, I'm going to stand up. Not necessarily because I like the guy or I like the gal, but because I respect their office. I respect what that office means. I respect the authority 
that God has placed in that office. And here's the thing about the position of parenthood. It's an office that God has created. And God has placed our parents, regardless of the value of their character, God has put those parents in that position of authority. And it's important for us to learn at an early age to respect them and to respect the position that they're in. In fact, I think that's crucially important because I think that the relationship you have with your parents in some way, shape, or form tends to affect most every other relationship with your life. I've known, listen, this is not my first rodeo. I've been around the block with troubled marriages for the last 30 years. And I've seen many marriages ruined, and you know why? Because there's been a troubled relationship with either the husband or the wife's parents that they've never reconciled, they've never resolved, they've never properly dealt with. They've imported that mess into their marriage relationship and because they're still dealing with it and have never gotten over it, it affects their husband, it affects their wife, it affects their children. You take it out on the people that you live with, it happens all the time. So it pays to learn early the value of respecting your parents and demonstrating that respect by honoring them and the role that they play in the position that they're in, in this institution that we call the family created by God himself. Now, the question is, how do you do that? With all that kind of as a setup, how do we honor our parents? I really want this to be something of a practical message today, so let me offer several suggestions about how we honor our parents in the various stages of our lives as the children of our parents. Y'all ready to run quickly through this? Would you say amen? First of all, from the perspective of little children, and I would say this, children should obey and respect their parents. That's the first takeaway from this fifth commandment. Now, Ephesians 6.1 does say it very clearly. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, and so if a child ever asks, well, I don't know why I have to do what you're telling me to do, the answer is simple, because God said so. Because God said it. It was the right thing to do. God says it. obedience is something that ought to mark the life of every child. Not because the parents deserve to be obeyed necessarily, but simply because God says it's the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So there are several God-ordained levels of authority in a person's life. The state is an authority. The workplace is an authority. The church is an authority. Parents are a biblical authority. And the Bible teaches that we're to do as our parents instruct as long as we're under their authority. Now, how do you know I'm still under my parents' authority? Here's the thing. Age is not so much the determining factor as adult independence is. Everybody tracking with me? I mean, we live in a day where, you know, children who are 52 years old apparently are still living with their parents. So it really doesn't matter what the age is. I think that the determining factor is a factor of dependence. As long as you're dependent upon your parents for food, for shelter, for clothing, for insurance, whatever the case might be, I think the parents have the God-given right to pretty much set the agenda for the parameters 
of how life is going to be lived within the context of a home that they're accountable for. Now, when you're out on your own, when you're independent, that's totally different. Isn't that right? But as long as you're dependent on parents, you're to respect their position as God's authority in your life, and you're to follow their leadership. The Bible never, for example, the Bible never says for wives to obey their husbands, but it does say children obey your parents. And this is the fundamental way a child honors his or her mother or their father. Does that make sense? Say amen this morning. Second, what about teenagers? What about that critical life? I heard somebody go, oh no. Yeah, I know. Those of you that have raised teenagers know the travails and challenges that go along with that. Well, here's the thing about teenagers, if they're in the room this morning. Teenagers should learn to accept and appreciate their parents, to accept them and to appreciate. That's part of the maturing process. The teenage years are the time to understand some things about your parents that you never even thought about before. Have you all ever noticed that when your children are very, very young, parents are usually the greatest thing in the world? I don't know what happens. I think it happens to most people. Because I know speaking as a dad, most dads start out as the hero. And then about the time that your child approaches age 11, 12, 13, you go from hero to goat almost overnight. First you're the hero, and then you become the idiot who doesn't know anything. And then before long, you're the court jester who's just kind of an absolute fool. But then something happens as the child continues to mature. All of a sudden, you find your way inching back up on the pedestal again. And you become the wise sage, right? And so it's this cycle of parenthood that happens. But boy, if you're not careful, there can be a train wreck when these kids enter into their teenage years. And part of that is because they start watching parents in a different kind of way. They start to notice things about their parents that they never paid attention to. Hang-ups, inconsistencies, chinks in the armor. Whether they be real or perceived doesn't really matter. They just start noticing th some things. But teenagers have to understand that the command to honor their father and their mother doesn't stop when they become teenagers and think they know everything. This is an important time in life, and it becomes important at this stage of life for teenagers to learn to accept their parents while realizing maybe for the first time in their life that their parents aren't as perfect as they thought that they were. Now, I know teenagers often say, well, why should I accept them? I didn't have a choice. God didn't give me a choice. Well, God didn't give your parents a choice either. We just kind of stuck with each other. Isn't that right? So we need to learn how to laugh, and we need to learn how to accept one another and to embrace one another and to encourage one another, even though we got warts all over us. And what does that mean? What does accepting our parents mean? Well, it doesn't mean you pretend that they don't have chinks in the armor. doesn't mean pretending that they're not perfect or that they are perfect or that they don't ever make mistakes. Acceptance means several things. It means, first of all, I recognize that God has used my parents to give me life. And I think this is critically important and something we can never forget. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your mother and your father. They gave you life, which is a source of blessing. 
And most of the, listen, most of the time, people even who say they hate life, that's just a seasonal kind of thing. Most people want to be alive. Most people want to enjoy life. It's like playing golf, isn't it? Most of the time when I play golf, I hate the game. And I swear I'm never going to do it again. And then I hit one good stroke. 280 yards right down the heart of the fairway. And my attitude is, what time are we playing next week? Right? All it takes is one good shot. To love the game that you've been cursing the whole time. That's most people with respect to their life. And you need to remember it's mom and dad who got you here. Right? They brought you into the world. And you owe them your life. Regardless of how excellent their parenting skills may or may not be. They were the instrument God used to bring you into the world. Secondly, acceptance means that I listen to what my parents have to say. I listen to them. Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. You listen to them. You pay attention to them. You give them the courtesy of hearing what they have to say. You don't just automatically tune them out. And can I say this morning, it's easier now than it ever has been to tune people out. Earbuds, TV, binge watching, internet, smartphone. There's always something to distract our attention. But you need to learn to spend time, teenagers. Learn to spend time with your parents. Learn to talk to them because that's part of acceptance. And then acceptance, thirdly, means that I demonstrate a willingness to forgive. Boy, how important that is in family dynamics. And unfortunately, how absent it often is in family dynamics. It's important because truth be told, we have this tendency to hurt the most deeply those people that we are the closest to in life. There's just something, maybe we feel more secure about the relationships that we have with people and we just feel like we could say things to people that we live in close relationships with that we would never say to anybody else. So oftentimes we just think before they speak and sometimes that can be a very hurtful kind of thing. And this is why families, healthy families, have to be built on the discipline of forgiveness because if you hold a grudge, I'm telling you, you'll never have a harmonious relationship at home. To honor your parents, you have to choose to forgive them when they mess up, and they're going to mess up. You know, they're going to minister discipline. They're going to minister justice without having all the facts. When God ministers discipline, God does it having all the facts, and God always does it perfectly. Parents don't. If my kids were on the stage today, and I hasten to add, they're not getting anywhere near the stage today. But if they could take the stage today, they'd tell you some things that would be unflattering about their dad. Not so much about their mother, because she was perfect. I will say that publicly. <laughs> but the Lord knows, because I, I tend to fly off. You know, I tend to, you know, just observe something and give a comment without thinking about it first. Engaging the mouth without first engaging the mind. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And parents are like that, and that's why you have to be forgiving because they're not perfect, and they're not going to get it always right. But healthy relationships means focusing on what they did get right. Because the thing about it is most parents get it right most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. And you learn to focus on that. 
And that helps living with forgiveness to be an easier kind of thing. And that's where appreciation comes in. I talked about accepting their parents. You also have to learn to appreciate your parents. Uh, I appreciate what they've done for me. Now, I'll admit this is easier for some than it is for others. But regardless of how great your parents were, we can all appreciate the efforts that they made. Every parent has to make an effort. It's a challenging effort. Can I just say, would y'all agree with me this morning? Parenting is hard. Say that together with me. Parenting is, it's hard. You come into parenting, there are no rule books. You know, most people parent like they were parented, which can be a dangerous thing. We just know how it was ministered on us, and that tends to be how we minister it on others. And if you had really good parents, that can be a good thing. If you had not so great parents in terms of how they operated, that might not be a great thing. So parenting is hard. It's a difficult, demanding, time-consuming, energy-consuming job. Let me just say, every parent's life would be made easier if they chose not to have kids at all. I mean, it would be. It just would be easier. It would be far less complicated, far fewer considerations taken into account, far less complicated, but it would also be far less joyful. Amen. I've had so much fun raising my kids, and when they've gone through the various stages of life, and I realize, well, we're not going to be able to do this anymore, and we're not going to be able to do this anymore, it brings about a degree of sadness because we've had so much fun raising our kids. That's why I often tell teenagers, consider that. Consider the effort that the parents pour into your life. Show them some gratitude. Because here's the thing about being a child. Nobody but you is going to thank your parents for being the kind of parent they were in raising you. If you don't tell them, who's going to do it? Nobody's ever come up to me and said, thank you for the way you raised your children. And they're not going to do that with you either. Only kids can say that to their parents. So I can appreciate their efforts. You can also appreciate the sacrifices that they make. I'm going to say something that is totally non-controversial here today. It's expensive to raise children. You know how much it's estimated a child born today is going to cost the average parent $250,000 to raise to age 17, not including the cost of college. And people who make over $100,000 a year tend to spend over $350,000 raising their children to the age of 17, not including the cost of college. That's a lot of scratch, brothers and sisters. You've heard the four stages of a father's life, haven't you? Every father's life has four stages. Stage number one, you believe in Santa Claus. Stage number two, uh, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Stage number three, you become Santa Claus. Stage number four, you look like Santa Claus. <laughs> it's the four stages of every father's life. Dads, when you're having a family portrait made and you want it to look natural, just have your kids put, your hand, put their hands in your pockets. That's a very natural pose. Because until they're about 17 years old, their hands are going to be in your pockets most all the time. Kids, you need to remember that. 
Parents make multiple sacrifices to provide for their kids, better their children. And one of the ways we honor them is by recognizing that, appreciating their sacrifices, letting them know that we're grateful. We did that to the veterans a moment ago. What I tell you to do, go say thank you to them. And everybody started looking around, trying to find a vet to put their hands on, pat them on the back, say thank you for your sacrifice. Every child needs to do that to their parent because every parent makes some kind of sacrifice for the betterment of their children. Well, this is how children honor their father and their mother. It's how teenagers honor their father and their mother. What about adult children? Let's talk about that for a minute. If you're an adult child here this morning, would you say amen? Amen. I'm right there with you. Adult children should affirm and not abandon their parents. Affirm and not abandon your parents. You know, for many parents, growing older means getting less and less visibility, less and less authority, less and less respect. I know many older parents who live very lonely lives. And they need respect. They need affirmation. They need to know that they've made some kind of positive difference in the life of their children. They need to know and they need to be reminded, you've made a contribution to my life. So this command to honor your father and your mother, unlike the command to obey, which has a time limit, this command has no time limit on it. It doesn't matter if you're here today 70 years old and your mother is 90. You're still to honor her for the parent that she is, to affirm your parents for as long as they're alive. Now, how do we do that? Let me go for several suggestions. First, stay in touch with them, particularly if they're at a distance. Stay in touch with them. Both of my brothers live in the same town just outside of Nashville that my mother lives in, and they're over there quite a bit. I'm 450 miles away, but I still stay in touch with my mother. I often tell her I'm the worst son you got because I feel guilty oftentimes that I, I'm not as involved in her life directly anymore as my brothers are. Judy's the same way. Her mother's in the same town. And yet we have to keep up with them. I'm thankful for things like FaceTime, amen, which is almost like being there. But parents want to know what's going on in your life. My parents want to know what's going on in my life. They want to know what's great, what happened that's wonderful. What, what are the challenges of your life? They want to know what's going on. Another thing that I found personally is ask your parents for counsel. You know, if you're trying to decide what kind of new car to buy, even though you've got all the research information out on the kitchen table, call up mama or call up daddy and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. What do you think? And you just pumped value into their life in 93 octane. So tap into the wisdom of your parents. Get them engaged. Keep them involved in your life. Proverbs 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. In other words, be affirming. Be affirming to mom and dad while you still got time to do it. Affirm them now. All the flowers in the world at their funeral won't do a bit of good. If you're going to send flowers, send them today. Send them today. Make the call today. Do it now. But then the Bible teaches that with respect to your parents, you're to never abandon them. There's a shameful tragedy in our society. 
as our society becomes more independent, more individualistic, less community-oriented, there's this incredible tragedy where busy families are abandoning their elderly parents. Many of them die alone. When your parents become too old to care for themselves, let me, can I just say it this morning? It's not the government's responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to care for them. This is the cycle of family. Sometimes the roles get reversed. There was a time they changed your diaper. There may be a boomerang effect and you have to change theirs. There came a time where they walked along with you to keep you from falling. There may be a time the roles get reversed. And you have to hold on to them to keep them from falling. There was a time where they fed you and they bathed you and they cared for you and they clothed you. There may come a time where you have to do that to them. Now, that doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. It can mean different things for different people. For some, it just may mean seeing that they get to the store, seeing that their car is serviced. For others, it may be bringing them into your home. Or it may mean hiring a medical practitioner to go to their home. Or may mean placing them in an extended care facility if you can't do it hands-on yourself. The point is, it's our responsibility to care for our parents, to make sure that they're properly cared for. By the way, we're hosting here at Hillcrest in the month of October a Planning Caregiving for Aging Adults conference Right here at Hillcrest, to quote Brian Barlow, everyone's invited. And if you need help with that, we're going to have experts here. I think it's on October the 8th, something like that. And we're here to help equip how to do that in a more a meaningful kind of way. But here's the thing. This is all part of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches how you live up to that, particularly when you have aging parents how you live up to honoring them in their elderly years is a test not only of your respect for their position, but it's a test of the reality of your faith. 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has what? Say it out loud. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I'm just saying that plain talk right there. It's interesting to me that as our Lord Jesus was dying on the cross, one of the last things he did, one of the last things he did before he breathed his last was to make sure that his mother was going to be cared for. As he hung on the cross, he looked at the one disciple that stayed, the apostle John, and he said, behold, your mother. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says, from that time on, John took Mary into his home. Even while our Lord Jesus Christ was bearing the sins of the world, he remembers to honor his mother. Now, let me just conclude by saying this morning that it's easy to honor your parents when they're honorable people. Not all parents are. Some of y'all have been hurt very deeply by a mean-spirited parent. 
And that makes a message like this kind of painful to hear. I realize that. Maybe you were abandoned by one parent, maybe by both parents. Maybe you were abused physically or emotionally or verbally. I get that. How do you honor a parent who may have dishonored you? Well, you just you have to deal with the hurt. You don't sweep it under a rug. You admit it. You deal with it. You find help. You run with people who can pour life into you, who you can talk to. You get it out of your system. Because if you don't, then your parents are still controlling your life. And you don't want that. So have a loving, if you can, talk to your parents. Tell them how you feel. Have a respectful conversation. Try to clear the air. Even, even if you have to go to the graveyard to do it. I've sent adult children to the graves of parents because it was affecting every relationship with our life. Go to the grave. Sit down. Have a conversation. Get it out of your system. Then turn it over to God. But above all, you've got to follow the model of the Lord Jesus Christ who as he was dying on the cross, not only made sure that he was honoring his mother as he took his last breath, but he was making sure that he was modeling the discipline of forgiveness for everyone who would follow him to see as he prayed for those who were taking his life, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And maybe that's a prayer that you need to pray too. This is a command without limit. And the Bible makes it clear. If you want to live a peaceful, satisfying life, one that's lived in the wake of God's blessing, that begins in large part with the decisions that you and I make at home. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Honor thy father and thy mother. This is the first command with promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long life upon the earth. This is God's word and all God's people said, amen.